are back. I'm Leslie Marshall. He is back as well. He's been on the program before, a pioneer and political blogger. He's written the beat since 1999. He writes about politics for the Nation magazine as its Washington correspondent. He is a contributing writer for The Progressive and In These Times and the associate editor of the Capital Times, the daily newspaper in Madison, Wisconsin. His articles have appeared in the New York Times, Chicago Tribune, and dozens of other newspapers. More than a pleasure to have back Mr. John Nichols joining us live from the RNC in Cleveland. Hey, John. Hey, John. How you doing? Hey, John. How does it, how does it feel to be a, a, a blue guy in a red sea? It feels very hot. It's 99 degrees here. Oh, I'm in L.A. I got you beat. <laughs> no, no, no. You don't understand. But you have, the, you have the humidity. I don't have the humidity. It is the humidity. There's a lake here, you know, <laughs> and so it's like this really trippy thing. It's like, you know, unimaginably hot, and then you have people, like, getting up giving speeches about Lucifer and stuff. You know, it's a bad combination. Ah! Well, okay, let's talk about Lucifer, a.k.a. Ted Cruz. Um some people would say he reopened the wounds of the Republicans. First of all, John, historically, there haven't been boos since Barry Goldwater and, and Rockefeller were standing up there in the 60s, right? Well, not too many. You know, the, the Ron Paul people always got a little upset, but there weren't that many of them. And, uh, look, here's the bottom line. Uh, there were boos, but they were boos for a guy who wasn't supporting the nominee. And so kind of on balance that that works for the convention um and I, I know this is an amazing thing because it's hard to feel sympathy for either of them but i actually believe that in a weird kind of way ted cruz made at least some people feel a measure of sympathy for donald trump like it was sort of a good thing for donald trump and i and yes he exposed some divisions in the party but is it really a bad thing to be opposed by the guy who shut down the Senate? <laughs> I mean, seriously, I'm not, I just don't think Ted Cruz is that. Well, I don't know. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Guy who shuts down Senate, guy who wants to build a wall around our country and piss off our entire international yeah, alliance I, and, and get out of NATO. Oh, I, I, you know, I don't know, but you know, I'm, I'm a Democrat. A case. I'm not making a case here, Leslie. I'm not telling you to like one of these guys. I'm just saying that we have this, you know, I mean, this is huge reaction to what Ted Cruz said. And it was notable, I mean, you know, that he didn't endorse. Of course, that's, a, that's significant. And Cruz is playing it for everything it's worth. He's having uh, so now people, play. John, so people understand yeah. when he says vote with your conscience, Paul Ryan has said that. Paul Ryan hasn't mentioned Trump's name uh, for the most part. Um, no. What what yeah. does what does Ted Cruz mean? He says everybody go out and vote. Is he is he you know okay? I want your crystal ball now. I want you to get or whatever it is that gets you into the mind of Lucifer. I mean Ted Cruz gets <laughs> you into the mind of Ted Cruz and what he meant by that is he saying a vote for Hillary? Is he saying b vote vote for Gary Johnson? Is he saying c write me in? Or is he saying vote for Trump without saying Trump? Well, that is a superb question. And I believe it is all of the above except for uh, vote for Hillary. You know? Okay, I, so I, vote your I, conscience yeah. means vote for Trump. If you don't like Trump, don't vote for Trump. Don't forget you can write me in, but get out and vote, even if you give it to Gary Johnson, because that'll hurt Hillary. Right. And I think, that's, I think that, that is probably about where he's at. But I really think there's another translation 
altogether. And this is the translation. It is, I, Ted Cruz, remain significant. Vote for me to remain somebody that people pay attention to. And that means that from now until November, there will be some discussion about might Ted Cruz endorse Donald Trump or might he endorse uh, Gary Johnson, do something like that. You know, he's got a little bit of traction that he wouldn't otherwise have. And I don't want to seem cynical here, Leslie. You know I'm just Mary Sunshine, not cynical at all. But um, I think that the number one thing that Ted Cruz was doing up there was not a statement of conscience. It wasn't some sort of, you know, profile and courage. I think it was one of the most absolutely determined, ambitious politicians in modern American history, uh, making sure that he remained in the public eye, that he got talked about by Republicans, and knowing, knowing that even though he's on the outs with Trump now, he could do a dramatic reconciliation with Trump a week from now or a month from now and get another round of publicity. I think that's exactly what happened last night. Today's theme is Make America One Again. Um, can Have the Republicans been successful? Has Trump been successful? Has this convention been successful in uniting the Republicans and making that party one again before they even go on to uh, think that they can uh, do that with our nation, with Donald Trump at the helm as president? It's a very good question. I think that they've done better than I expected in some ways. Okay, talk to us about that, because from where I'm sitting, it didn't look that way. So how how did they do better than you expected? I I genuinely thought that that there'd be a steady kind of real division on the floor. The truth of it is there's a couple of delegations that are very, very resistant to Trump, Uh, Alaska, Utah, uh, but by and large, the delegations that are very resistant to Trump, uh, if you added all their electoral votes together, you might get to seven, right? Among the bigger states, aside from Ohio, which is a very large and very important state, um, you know, when you walk on the floor, you really do see generally quite a bit of amb- you know, enthusiasm, a you know, pretty, pretty pro-Trump thing going on. And so I think he has had a little bit of progress here in bringing the party together. However, Leslie, it's been at a great expense, and that's the important thing to understand. This party can be united around one theme and one theme above all others, and that is absolutely scorchingly hating Hillary Clinton. That will unite them. And the Trump people have allowed the Hillary Clinton haters to not just be heard, but actually to become almost definitional figures within this convention. And I think that that plays poorly with a broader electorate. It's just too mean. And it, it almost has a Pat Buchanan 1992 feel to it. Um, so I think that they've had some success in uniting within the hall. They are doing so at a price that could well harm them uh, as you move toward the November election. 
Okay. Uh, we have less than a minute, so we're going to take a break rather than me ask you something that you can't answer, and we'll talk to you on the other side of this break, John. John Nichols is our guest, pioneering political blogger. He's written The Beat since 1999. He writes about politics for The Nation magazine as its Washington correspondent, and he's a contributing writer for The Progressive Man in these times and associate editor of The Capital Times, the daily newspaper in Madison, Wisconsin. His articles have appeared in The New York Times, Chicago Tribune, and dozens of other newspapers, and he's joining us live from Cleveland, Ohio, at the Republican National Convention. Quick break. We'll be back to him and you right after this. Pick up the phone and join us if you have any questions. 888-6LESLIE, 888-653-7543. We are back. So is he. John Nichols joining us live from Cleveland, Ohio, with the Republican National Convention. He's written the beat since 1999. He writes about politics for the nation as a magazine, as its Washington correspondent, and contributing writer for the Progressive and In These Times, and also associate editor of Capital Times, the daily newspaper in Madison, Wisconsin. John, thank you for holding. Welcome back. Okay, so you said that you were surprised that, in a sense, this went better. But like I said, for those of us looking on the outside, whether it's the plagiarism, uh, whether it's Mm -hmm. the booing, whether it's an individual not endorsing, whether it's really not a spectacular lineup, uh, whether it's Trump coming out of fog like in the WWE, and, <laughs> and, and, and then comments which clearly show even Senator Mitch McConnell said, um, you know, that he's a novice uh, at this, uh, you know, paraphrasing. Um, and then those who like Trump but don't like his choice of VP Mike Pence, those are two very different political uh, and Republican political styles. Um, you know, I understand you said, you know, in a, in, in a, considering all of that, are we considering all of that to say it's going better or compared to conventions uh, for the Republicans in the past? Excellent question. It's, a, it's sort of a surreal convention by any measure. It's not like conventions in the past. Uh, and it is not as successful as the Trump people, I think, maybe imagined it might be because they think of him as this master showman, when really he's, he's never been that. He's not nearly as good at um, the theater of politics as he or his supporters think. So in that sense, it certainly hasn't gone uh, as well as they would have wanted. It's been disastrous, frankly, on a number of turns. It's been a lousy convention uh, by traditional measures. However, um, this is a guy who is essentially executing a coup. He is taking over a political party. And this is not a party that wanted him. This is not a party uh, where the leadership even now supports him or agrees with him. And yet, with that, in that context, it has gone better than I expected. I am seeing, you know, these sort of more traditional Republicans from around the country buying their Trump T-shirts and their Trump socks and getting the pins and getting ready to go home and mount a campaign for this guy. And so to that extent, he has, and I think that's, we have to be honest about that, because I think Democrats make a terrible mistake when they underestimate, um, you know, what Trump might be able to pull off. And his first task at this convention was to get as many of the people at this convention as he could on board. As of tonight, that task will be done. His work with the Republican Party will be largely done. He will let them go out and do what they do in their places. Then he turns toward uh, a November campaign. And so what we're going to watch tonight is see whether this speech tonight um, 
gets that, whether it makes that connection in any kind of way. This convention, if you just looked at this convention up to tonight, right, I would have a hard time imagining why anyone would vote Republican, right? I mean, it's, just, it, it's been a disorganized, often dystopian mess. However, it's also gotten incredibly low ratings. Nobody's been interested in it. Tonight, the expectation is it will get high ratings. People will be interested in it. And what they will see, largely, imagine what you're going to see tonight if it's pulled off right. An openly gay billionaire talking about how great Donald Trump is, right? Um, Donald Trump's Orthodox Jewish daughter talking about how great Donald Trump is. She's not Orthodox, and then Donald is she? Trump. I don't think she's Orthodox. I don't know if she's no, I don't no. she doesn't. She doesn't wear a wig, and she doesn't. She oh, well, shows, remember? No, 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 no. She shows weight. She may keep kosher, may, but she's not orthodox. She doesn't. Orthodox women, you know, cover their arms and their legs, and and. She, I will give you, of course, your your due on that and respect. His Jewish daughter, shall I say? Why that's important is that um, there's a, a decent chance tonight that what people see is uh, Donald Trump, who doesn't look exclusive or rejectionist or somebody pushes people away. Uh, again, an openly gay man, his daughter, now Trump coming up. Well, of course his daughter, John, come on, of course his daughter. My kids will no, go, but to, you're go missing to back my, You're missing my point. Okay, John, go ahead. My point is that um, I suspect that she will she will present herself in a way that that suggests uh, more of an openness to women, more of a uh, connection to the guy than might be expected. And, and all, the only reason I say this is um, this is the night that the Trump people have to get right. They've gotten every other night wrong. Now, they've had some unity on the floor more than I expected, but they've gotten every other night wrong. They crashed and burned on the first night in you know just a ridiculous plagiarism mess, right? They crashed and burned on the second night because they got lost in all sorts of minutia as regards messaging. They were all over the place. And frankly, um, you know, just a lot of messages that really weren't you know, at all effective. The third night, they, you know, it was just almost beyond comprehension. The cruise thing was one element of that. But also, you had this, this bizarre situation where, you know, Mike Pence came up, and, and I know a lot of people say, oh, he gave a really good speech. They really, you know, I'm sorry. Mike Pence gave a speech that was tailored to a 1948 Republican convention. It was, like, completely um, uninspired. And, and, and the people who think he, he did something right are just the people who want somebody to dot every I and cross every T. And so they just haven't had good nights up to this point from a viewership outside of Cleveland. This is where it all gets interesting. It all comes down to tonight. Uh, Trump could pull something off here. It might work. If it does, um, then he might get a little bit of a bump. But he will never get the kind of a bump out of this convention that, um, you know, a really well-choreographed convention would get. Do you feel that Cruz and some others that haven't openly really backed Trump, and he hasn't really had the support of the uh, Republicans on that stage, especially uh, congressional members in the House and the Senate, as we've seen mm-hmm. in former Republican conventions. How, how 
how much of an impact do you think that has on a, a voter watching this or even attending this convention come November? Well, I think it could have an impact. And here's where I think it could have an impact. If you are a conservative voter, a true believer, right, and you're getting a lot of disorganized and disconnected messages from this convention, you asked earlier about, you know, whether the signal might be to vote for Gary Johnson or to vote maybe even for Hillary Clinton. I think also there might just be a signal to go home, to stay home. And that's a very dangerous thing for Trump. This is, this is an incredibly divided country, painfully divided in a lot of ways. Hillary Clinton, as she goes into the November race, is going to try, I think, very, very hard to create a unity message, one that, that really does seek to draw people into the process and, and to, to kind of heal some divisions. Trump desperately has to have his people together just to compete in that setting, and then he has to go out and try and and build beyond it. If this convention has just been depressing and disappointing for uh, true believer conservative Republicans, maybe even some evangelical folks, and they simply decide not to participate, not to vote in November, uh, that could be hugely significant. And, and I will tell you, Leslie, there have been moments at this convention where um, it's just been, I don't know how to say it another way, boring. It hasn't, you know, it hasn't really been, you know, this coherent, unifying theme. And I think that is because they've had to do so much work on the floor with unity stuff, trying to build unity, that they haven't been able to get their act together to project out and um, that is a that is a challenge for folks around the country. Now, I don't happen to believe that a great mass of swing voters are watching this convention. I doubt they are. Um, what they're getting is the short headlines, the bits and pieces. And obviously, for Trump, the key is to have some sort of really epic line tonight, some sort of good message that connects with them. Uh, and and maybe there's possibility, but. Um, you know, this is, I think it's still a tenuous, this is a tenuous moment right now. And it could well end up being the case that when this is done, we say that this was the convention where America, watching from afar, came to the conclusion that Donald Trump just can't get something together. And that's a big deal. If people start to think he can't, he just can't pull something together and make it work, um, it makes it harder for people to even consider voting for him for president. Yeah, but don't you think some of those people there, John, have drank the Kool-Aid, and no matter what he does, I swear to God he could take a gun, shoot somebody, and they'd go, yeah, you know what I mean? I just... He said that. Well, he said that, remember? He right. He shoot somebody in the street. Exactly. You know? um, but, but again, in this conversation, Leslie, and, and it's because you're so sharp on all this stuff, you know, um, there are these two levels. We're talking about the reality on the floor of the convention versus the reality out in America, right? And the people who have paid three, four thousand dollars, five thousand dollars to be here, um, they want this thing to come together. There's a handful of folks who would like to keep fighting, but by and large, the people who are here want to achieve some sort of unity and you know move out of here in the direction of 
you know, nominate, electing somebody to the presidency. That's their goal. That's, that's what they're about. But people beyond this convention, that separate reality, they're not, they don't have that level of investment. They may be conservatives, and they may have an investment in, um, in advancing a conservative cause, but if Trump doesn't communicate to them in an effective way, that's going to be problematic. The one thing that this convention has given the you know kind of hardcore conservatives and the evangelicals, which ought not be underestimated, it is significant, is uh, a platform that is rigidly conservative on, on social issues. I mean, way, way more conservative than anything in modern times. And that will certainly be somewhat effective in mobilizing the evangelical voters, as will the Pence nomination. However, uh, again, it is so far right. The platform is so extreme, and Pence himself has gone to such extremes that um, to the extent that Republicans communicate that, again, I think they push away uh, a significant portion of swing voters. So this tightrope walk is a hard one, um, and that's why I think we'll all watch Trump tonight to see you know, whether he could pull any of this off. This convention hasn't mattered all that much up to this point. It's been disorganized. It's had nights that fell apart. Uh, it hasn't delivered any, you know, core message to the great mass of Americans. Uh, but tonight's the night where everybody will be watching, and Trump's got his opportunity. This is the most, I'll tell you this, Leslie, this is by a thousand miles the most important speech of his life and uh, probably the most important speech of his campaign. And so, I mean, from now through November. So the pressure is big on him, and we've rarely, as much as we've watched Donald Trump, we've rarely seen him in this kind of pressure position. Most of his rallies are just, you know, kind of stream of consciousness, not particularly uh, focused events. His debate performances similar. And so he's really under a lot of pressure tonight. Um, and I don't know how he takes pressure. We'll see how he does. And let's talk about what the Democrats, you know, just again, get that crystal ball out, John, uh-huh. sorry, uh, will look like, do you think, in, in, in terms and comparison with the Republican National uh, Convention? And I say that because it seems historically Democrats are really good at these things and, and, and really good at organization, and they've got a lot of uh, Hollywood celebs and rockers to choose from. Yeah. Um, is, You're so is, right. the, is the Democratic convention looking to kick the Republican convention's butt? I think so, of course. Now, uh, it begins tomorrow morning, right? Uh, because tomorrow we assume we're going to see Hillary Clinton's vice presidential pick. Uh, the vice presidential pick is really, really important, both for party unity and for the broader message of the campaign. If she picks somebody that uh, gets people excited, especially if she picks somebody who gets, uh, you know, some of the wavering, you know, going to vote for her, but maybe not that excited Sanders folks on board, um, that could be a very, very big deal. Um, there's also, look, there's some dissension within the Democratic Party. There are Sanders folks who are not as enthusiastic about Hillary Clinton as Hillary Clinton would like them to be. She's done a lot in the last couple of weeks to try and reach out to them. Uh, anybody who saw her statement to Netroots Nation uh, saw the Hillary Clinton giving a genuinely progressive address, you know, really, really uh, doing a lot of outreach there. And so you know, as we watch that, um, uh, the only question of, in, in my view, in any sense, 
on the Democratic Convention is, you know, can she take a few steps that that really do unify, you know, those streams within the convention who might be a little bit uh, not on board, not or disappointed her. If she does that, and if the Democrats do that, yes, I mean they they historically know how to put together a convention, and honestly, Leslie, the Republicans do too. The problem that the Republicans have at this convention is not an inability to put a convention together and to to have it be entertaining and epic and feel good. The problem they have is that Donald Trump, you know, doesn't work well with other people. And so as a result, um, most of this convention has been about trying to reconcile with and deal with Donald Trump. You know, even to give you an example, um, the very sad thing I think that happened to Melania Trump. I mean, she, she had a speech that was written for her that by all accounts would have been a fine speech. It would have worked very well. But if the reports are right, she put it aside, and, and you know, they went off on another track and ended up with this plagiarism mess. Um, and, you know, the plagiarism mess isn't going to be remembered for that long, and people, frankly, aren't going to blame Melania Trump that much. That's not that big a deal. But the problem is you don't remember anything else about Monday night. You know, they have four nights in front of the American people, and... You know, because of a lack of discipline on the part of the Trump people, they ended up with, you know, nothing and or, or a net negative. The Democrats, I don't think, are going to have that kind of problem. And, you know, remember Bernie Sanders, who fought a hard race, he's going to be addressing this convention. And we already know that unlike Ted Cruz, Bernie Sanders will speak in, I think, very supportive and ardent terms about the importance of electing Hillary Clinton. Thank you, John. Awesome, as always. And that's why we keep having him come back live from Cleveland at the Republican National Convention. John Nichols, he's written the beat since 99, The Nation Magazine's Washington correspondent, writes politics, obviously, for that. Contributing writer for the Progressive and In These Times, and associate editor of the Capital Times, the daily newspaper in Madison, Wisconsin. Follow him on Twitter at Nichols Uprising, N-I-C-H-O-L-S. Follow The Nation at The Nation and check out their website, thenation.com. 